when you are pushed down and you are, you are in bondage, there's that hope. Listen to me. When you don't have hope, you die. Okay? That's just the bottom line. When there's no hope within the human body, the body dies. And so there was this hope, there was this yearning for the Messiah to come. They believed that God would send a son of David, one who was of the lineage of David, and he would set them free, and he would reestablish them as a power. Now, they didn't believe that this Messiah would be God. They, they believed it would be a man. And they had taught a great deal of things about this Messiah. And one of those things that, was, that is very interesting when you study uh, Scripture is that, that the Messiah himself would be a healer. He would bring healing. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just economic healing. It wasn't just being a national healing. It was individual healing. And so the, the rabbis from early on had taught out of three different texts. And I'm going to read these texts very quickly, but you need to write these down and you need to look at these. In Isaiah 35, in verse 3 through 6, is one of the chief ones. And, and it says, encourage the exhausted, strengthen the feeble. You know what? That's what God was doing. And that's what God's doing today in this, in this body. That same passage is quoted in Hebrews 12.12. 12. Encourage the exhausted. Strengthen the feeble. Say to those who are anxious of heart. You know what anxious of heart means? Stressed. I'm stressed. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen in Crimea? What's going to happen with Russia? What's going to happen in Syria? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen when I get sick and and I can't pay my insurance? Well, what happens when the gas goes so high I can't buy it? How am I going to buy groceries? Y'all understand? You see, things haven't changed a great deal from the first century to today. They had the same struggles. But here's what God says, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but He will save you. And then listen to what it says. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy, for waters will break forth from forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arab. Every time you read in the Old Testament about waters breaking forth and streams, it's talking about the Messiah. Okay, It's not just talking about literal water. It's talking about the Messiah. He's going to come and water was the one thing that they didn't have enough of. Wherever there was water, it was a garden. And it's still that way today. Okay, And if I had time, I'd give you an illustration. You can ride one down. I'll just give it to you, okay? We'll take time. You can ride down from, uh, let's just say, Jericho to the Dead Sea. And on the left-hand side of the road where the Jordan River is and where they're irrigating, it's as green as it can be. It's plush. It's, it's a jungle you can't hardly walk through. There are fruit trees. There are all kinds of stuff. On the other side of the road, for as far as you can see, it's brown dirt and rocks. It's the wildest thing. Why? Water. Water. Life. Life. Now they also used Isaiah 29, verse 18 and 19. And it says, On that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The afflicted shall increase their gladness in the Lord, and the needy of mankind shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. 
And then there's one final one, and we're all familiar with this one. It's in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Those who are shattered in pieces. That's literally what that means. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The day of vengeance of our God to comfort those who mourn. They are looking for this Messiah. I mean, the nation is abuzz. Every so often there will be somebody who it seems like may be that person. And then what happens? Well, he gets killed. Or he disappears. Or he does something that's not scriptural. And it's obvious that uh, he's not the Messiah. John the Baptist begins to preach and, and begins to, and, and to call those that, that are in sin to repentance. And one day Jesus walks out of the crowd. A young carpenter from Nazareth. He walks out of the crowd. He walks down the banks. And John says, Behold the Lamb. He's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John de- declares that Jesus is the Messiah. To everybody who was listening. He told his disciples. He told the Pharisees that came to him and questioned him. He said, he must increase. And I must decrease. And after G- John baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit descends on him. And anoints him. And he goes into the wilderness. And scripture tells us that he goes into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. And for 40 days, he's tested by the, by the devil. And when he comes out of that temptation, Scripture tells us that he, come, he goes to Galilee still full of the Holy Spirit in the power of the Spirit. And Jesus goes then to his hometown and he enters the synagogue and he quotes that passage that I just read out of Isaiah 61. He quotes it. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim a release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to feed those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus, in that moment, was openly declaring that He was the Messiah to that synagogue congregation. In in fact, in Luke chapter 4, verse 21, later after He makes this, He says, Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So what they were looking for, who they were looking for, is standing before them. The very Messiah that they had dreamed of for years and years and years is walking their streets. He's healing their children. He's preaching to the crowds. In Jesus' day, the rabbis had had divided the miraculous into two different categories they believed that there were certain things there was a few things that anybody who was empowered by God could do okay but there were specific things that only the Messiah could do that differentiated you see the Messiah from everybody else it it made him stand apart in other words when you see these things this is the Messiah. And this is what they taught. 
They taught these things. They pulled these things out of those scriptures that I just shared with you. The first one of those miraculous healings that the Messiah would do is that he would heal a leper. Now most of you uh, have, have heard all the stories about lepers, but only God could heal a leper. Okay, leprosy was, was, one of, was the only defilement that a living person could communicate to another living person. Everything else was dead. It was defiling. But leprosy could defile you if you touched that person. And so what would happen is, is that lepers had to announce their presence. They had to yell, unclean, unclean. They had to stay downwind. They could never be upwind of people. They had to stay out on the fringes. They were seen by the rest of society as the greatest of sinners. Why? Because they had leprosy. Now, the last person who had been healed of leprosy that was a Jew, guess who it was? It was Miriam, Moses' sister, 1,500 years earlier. Now, do you see why the, the, the script, there hadn't been anybody since Miriam healed. You say, well, what about uh, Naaman? Naaman was a Syrian. He was not a Jew. So there hadn't been anybody healed in Israel for 1,500 years. And what does Jesus do? Well, let's look at Scripture. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 42, it says, And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, saying to him, If you are willing... You can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. In the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you were unclean. Folks, in the New Testament, righteousness touches sin. It touches the leper and the leper's made clean. You see the difference? And, and he said, I am willing, be cleansed. Jesus doesn't offer a prayer. He just makes a command. Be cleansed. That's another sermon for another day, okay? In other words, it was the will of God. Okay? And then he says this. Or then it says this. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. We know from, from the New Testament in another place, Jesus heals ten lepers. It's like Jesus is, is, is let's, okay, they didn't get this. I'll make sure they can't miss this. And he puts an exclamation mark. Okay, so miracle number one, Jesus does. He does a lot of miracles, but the, but the special miracle is he healed a leper. Okay, you know, we need to watch him. We need to pay attention to that guy. He's just done something that the rabbis say nobody but the Messiah can do. Now, the second healing sign that the Messiah does, and, and you've got to listen to this one, okay? is that, that he was to heal and cast out a demon of muteness. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, let me, let me share with you why. Uh, muteness rend rendered a person unable to speak. Now, exorcism was something that was done on a regular basis in the cultures of the ancient world. They had all these rituals, all, this, uh, all these sayings, incantations, magic that they would do. To get rid of demons. But they had to have the name of the demon. So therefore the demon had to tell them his name. Before they could cast him out. The, the, the Jewish exorcist. That was a big deal. They had to get the name. Well guess what? 
if you're mute and it's a demon of muteness, ain't nobody going to speak, right? You can, you can light incense, you can cut yourself, you can scream and shout, you can say all these words as much as you want, but it's going to be quiet. I wish I could do this. As Andy High says, like crickets chirping, and he'll chirp. Okay, It's just quiet, quiet. So to cast that demon out, they had to know his name, and a mute person couldn't speak, couldn't give up its name, so it couldn't be cast out. And so according to the rabbis, only the Messiah would be able to cast it out. Well, guess what happens? Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 and 34. And as they were going out, behold, a dumb man, demonized, was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, the dumb man spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, He casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. He doesn't look like we thought he was going to look, but he's doing what we said he was going to do. It must be the devil. See, when you begin, to, you begin to grasp these things about the Messiah, you understand why the Jewish leaders got so worked up and why they said what they said. They realized, okay, the Scriptures that we've been teaching are being fulfilled in front of our eyes. But, He doesn't look like we thought He would look. He doesn't act like we thought He was. He's not one of us. He's one of them. He goes to that church across the track. In fact, he don't even go to church. He just shows up on Sundays all over the country. He eats with sinners. He talks to prostitutes. He doesn't wash his hands like we wash our hands and let it drip off our elbows. He's not like us. It can't be him. Okay, how many miracles has he done? He's whiffed two baseballs right out of the park. No strikes. Two home runs. And if that's not enough, it happens again. Sort of like God says, okay, you guys missed the first one. Let me show it to you again. And so in Matthew chapter 12, three chapters later, this is not the same story. This is another story. Then there was brought to him a demonized man who was blind and dumb. This guy can't even see. Plus, he can't speak. And Jesus healed him. I just love, in the first one, Jesus cast the demon out. In this one, he healed him. Same thing. He met his need. So that the dumb man spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed. And listen what they said. This man cannot be the son of David, can he? This must be the Messiah. See, the people got it. The Pharisees, they respond the very same way. If you read the rest of that story, they they begin to, to, to accuse Jesus of casting out devils by the power of the devil. Why? Because they recognized that what he was doing, only the Messiah could do. And they were unwilling to recognize him. He didn't fit their narrow, ritualistic, theological system. 
Folks, they could not refute his miracles. If they could have, they would have. Listen to me. They would have refuted them. They couldn't refute them. They couldn't deny them. In fact, if, if you go to the Talmud, and I think I've, I've shared this with you already, but if you go to the Talmud, which was written after Jesus, but a record and a commentary of the, of the Mosaic Law, it mentions Jesus. And it says this. Jesus was hanged on a tree. That's how a Jew would have, 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 that's what he would have called crucifixion. Jesus was hung on a tree for using sorcery. In other words, he was crucified for using demonic healing and magic to set people free. That's what they wrote. That's the only way they could gloss over it and go on. Now, okay, he's healed lepers. Now he's cast out demons that are in the mute people. There's one more. The third healing that the Messiah would do, the sign that would, would show that it was definitely the Messiah, is that he would heal those who had been blind since birth. The rabbis believed only God could do that. John records for us in his gospel. Now John Gospel is a little different than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John records seven signs or seven miracles that Jesus did that, that showed that He was God, that declared His deity. And one of those is when He healed the blind man. And, and John gives a whole chapter almost to it. Forty-one verses. To declare this event. And, and we, we see it in John chapter, uh, well, it may be John chapter 9 and chapter 10. Or it may be John chapter, let's see what comes up. It is John chapter 9, good. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. And I want you to listen to what his disciples say. Because they could be sitting right here with us today. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? That he should be born blind. You remember the culture Jesus came into believed that if, if you were sick or you were blind or you had leprosy, you were a sinner. It was sin. That's what caused it. And the only way that you could be forgiven or that you're going to be healed was to, to go to the priest and offer the proper sacrifice and repent and then healing would come. I want you to listen carefully what Jesus said. Because they believed that all sickness was the judgment of God. But listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and he made clay of the spittle and he applied the clay to the eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And he went away and washed and came back see. Now folks, this event caused a major uproar. I mean, they brought the guy before the, the Sanhedrin. They brought his parents in. I mean, this was a big deal. It caused a division in the Pharisees. Some thought that this might be the Messiah. And others said, no way, it can't be. But it was a direct fulfillment of what God said He would do. I'll heal lepers. I'll cast out demons of muteness and I'll heal the lame. I mean the, the blind. 
There are other writings that, that talked about the Messiah. There's one that's, that was found at Qumran. If you know anything about Qumran, if you've been to Israel, you've been to Qumran. Qumran is where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they found a, a, a part of a manuscript in Qumran. It's called 4Q521. You don't need to know that, okay? But this is what it says. When He, that is the Messiah, comes, then He will heal the sick, resurrect the dead, and, the poor, and to the poor announce glad tidings. That was written a hundred years before Jesus came. It was written in 1 B.C. Okay? Now we have several accounts of Jesus raising the dead. Right? He, he, he raised several people from the dead. But there's one in particular that brought a huge problem. And got him arrested and ultimately crucified. You know who that was? Lazarus. Lazarus. It caused such a stir in the Sanhedrin that the chief priest and the Pharisees had a, had a, a, a union meeting and they decided, hey, somebody's got to go and it's not going to be us. And this is what it says in, in John chapter 11, verse 47. It says, Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. That word signs there, what they're saying is he is performing the attesting miracles that he is the Messiah. That's, in essence, that's what they're saying. And if we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our nation. And Caiaphas, who was the high priest, he even says this, it's better that one man should die for the people, then the whole nation should perish. And so from that day on, they made plans, intricate plans, not to trap him, but to kill him. You remember John the Baptist? John gets arrested. Herod arrests him, puts him in prison. And John... Is human just like all of us. Okay? And he's in solitary confinement. He didn't have anybody to talk to. And he begins to think back. And he thinks of that day when he, when he baptized Jesus. And, and he said those things. And he begins to wonder, is this really, was that really the Messiah? Is Jesus who he says he is? I mean, the devil starts playing with John's head. Does the devil ever play with anybody's head? Is there anybody here to... Okay... Jesus said John was the greatest prophet that had ever lived up to that point. And the devil was playing with his head. And so John sends one of his disciples to Jesus. And he says, find out if he's the expected one. If he's the Messiah. I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't condemn him. Jesus doesn't lambast him. He doesn't send back a harsh message to him. Jesus just answers with Scripture. He says, he says this in Luke chapter 7, verse 21. At that very time, Jesus was curing many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and He granted sight to those who were blind. And Jesus answered and said to them, those that had come from John, He said, go and report to John what you have seen, what you have heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who keeps 
from stumbling over me. In other words, go assure John that I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. What's the proof? It's healing. It's not the message so much that he preached. It's the demonstration of God's power that he performed to go along with the message. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and wondering why in the world I'd show you all that stuff. Most of you believe Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the, he's, it, we, in, 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 in Greek, it would be the, the Christ, the Christos. Okay? In Hebrew, it's a different word. But it means the same thing, the anointed one. Most of you believe He did those miracles. But we haven't really grasped why He did those miracles. Some people would say He did them to prove that He was the Messiah. And you know what? That is partially true. Okay? That is partially true. He did them also because the Word of God said He would do them and God can't lie. How many of you realize that God does not attempt to prove that this message is true. He doesn't attempt to prove that He's God. In Genesis 1.1 it says, In the beginning, God. Take it or leave it. That's, that's, that's basically what God says, I am. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to prove my word is true. I am. I am. And so, yes, he was, he was demonstrating to the, the people of Israel that he was the Messiah, but that's not the main reason, I don't think, that he did it. I think that he demonstrated it because he wanted them to see the heart of God. See, Messiah was going to unfold God to them. He was going to show them God's heart. He was going to show them God's compassion. And when he did it, you know what area he picked to do it in? The area of, of healing. The area of, of emotional and physical and spiritual healing. He, he comes because the people of Israel were, were under attack and they were suffering at the hand of the devil. And this morning, folks, we're not a lot different than those people. We still suffer. We still struggle. And the enemy hasn't let up. Nothing's changed except one thing. Jesus came to set us free, and He set us free. Okay, That's a fact. And He left us with a mandate. He, he called us His body. Literally, we are the body of the Messiah on this earth at this moment. One of these days, He will return, and the head and the body will unite. But we're the body. The anointing one who came to save them from sin, to forgive them of sin, to deliver them from torment, to heal the sick, to set the captives free, to release those who were in bondage from the prison houses, the prisoners of Satan. Folks, we claim to be his body, yet we struggle to believe we are supposed to do what he did. Much less have faith enough to actually try it and do it. Folks, if we're his body, listen to me. If we are, and I believe we are, 
How many of you realize that we have partaken of the same anointing that he received? That dove came from heaven and rested on him. And scripture says that dove was the Holy Spirit. The same dove that rested on him and filled him and raised him from the dead, scripture says, lives in us. So we're anointed. Okay? We have the authority. I've gone over this a hundred times in other places, but Jesus has given us His authority. We have His anointing. We're literally to be expressions of Him on this planet right now. We're to be His ambassadors. And an ambassador in Jesus' day represented, He spoke for, and He acted for the person who sent Him. Folks, we carry His authority. We carry His anointing. It seems to me if we carry that, then we ought to at least see some of the same things happen that happened in His time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen to what Jesus says. John 14. This is the night before the, a few hours before He's arrested. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who believes in me the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, let me put it in, in plain English like my daddy used to. If you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll do what I say. Folks, are we really keeping his commandments? Are we really doing what he said? Do we really love him? Mark 16, verse 15 through 18 says, Jesus gives uh, the, 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 the great commission there in, 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 in Mark. He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs, these attesting miracles that prove I am the Messiah, will accompany those who have believed it. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. That's what the Messiah said. And folks, the proof is not in our words. The proof is in our actions. As the body of, of the Messiah, as the body of Jesus, we're called to proclaim, we're called to, to proclaim, to preach, and to teach this word. Okay? But we are also called to demonstrate this word. We're, we're called to demonstrate the power of the gospel. See, the gospel Jesus preached had power. It changed lives. He didn't throw it out there and nothing happened. Every time he preached it or taught it or demonstrated, there was a change. You say, yeah, but he was Jesus. Yeah, but we're the body of Jesus. Okay? We're his hands and we're his feet. The same gospel he preached, we're supposed to be seeing the same results. The same marks that, that, that identified 
the Messiah should identify his body. See, it's just common sense that my head cannot go anywhere that my body does not go. Or what? If they decide to go separately in two different directions, what does that mean? I'm dead. All right? Make application ever how it fits. Okay? If we are the body of Christ, He has called us to be the body. And folks, the only way we can do that is to take a step in faith. Well, I don't know what will happen. You know what? I don't know what will happen either. But you know what? It's in God's court. When I exercise my faith, it's in God's court. When I open my mouth to share the gospel with somebody, it's in God's court. It's not in how well I can, you know, how well I can take a scripture and explain to them who Jesus is. It's when I open my mouth, God takes the words. Literally, God speaks the words. You realize that? If I give a testimony of Jesus, Jesus is speaking through me. If I stop to pray for somebody that's sick or, 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 or down or, or wounded or, or broken, you know what happens? When I overcome my fear and I say, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you? God takes over and He ministers. When I come up beside somebody and, and they look like they just need a hug, I say, could, you know, could I just give you a hug? And I take that step out of my comfort zone. Jesus hugs them. See, it's not up to us. All we have to do is exercise our faith, folks. And Jesus will heal. He'll set people free. He'll forgive sin. He'll liberate those that are in bondage. And He will heal physical illnesses. Now, I want want y'all to listen to me very carefully. I want to put a caveat right here because I don't want anybody to miss it. In no way am I telling you, when we minister to you or pray for you, you need to go home and throw your medicine out. Okay? You don't. Listen to me. If God heals you, contact your doctor and go see him. Let him be the determining factor of what you do with your medicine. Okay? That's, let me tell you what that's the spirit of. Okay? It's not the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of stupidity when you do that stuff. <laughs> Okay, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being I know people, I throwed my, I've been taking this medication for 30 years. You don't need to do that. You need to get with your doctor and let him minister to you and do what he knows how to do. Okay, that's the caveat. We're done. Now, nobody can say, Nelson said, throw your medicine out when we pray for you. Amen? Amen? Y'all all 100% on the page with me. That's not the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of what? Stupidity. That's crazy. So Nelson, why are you saying that? Well, because people don't listen. And then people blame God for what the spirit of stupidity told them to do. Okay? Y'all with me? Okay. My point today, and I'm done. Folks, Jesus came as the Messiah. He was the one long awaited for. And he went right down the list of what God said he would do. And the people who, were, who knew the Bible, who were experts in what it meant, who could interpret it, the preachers of the day, the theologians of the day, they saw it. Click, click, click. This equals this. No, no. 
can't equal that. He doesn't look like we thought he would. He doesn't talk like we thought he would. He doesn't wear the same robes we wear. He doesn't keep the same rules we keep. Can't be him and they turn their back. Folks, there are churches all over this country today who are doing the same thing. They're turning their back because Jesus doesn't act like they think he should. He doesn't do what they think he should do the way they've theologically said he will do it. Okay? Listen, I just want Jesus. Here's what I know. He will not do anything that goes against his word. He will never do that. He will never be at odds with his word. So if I want to if I want to test what he's doing, I just look at this. Folks, as a church, we're going after Jesus. Okay? Whatever he wants to do is up to him. Because I am confident he will do exactly what this word says he will do. But you know what? It may not look like I think it's supposed to look. He spoke this morning and he didn't speak through me. Spoke through some other people. That's what Jesus does. He ministered to some people this morning through some people that weren't me. You know what? That's what Jesus does. We're a body, folks. We're We're the body of Messiah. We're the body of the Christ, the anointed one. If we'll just be the body and listen to the head, He'll take care of things. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.